Welcome to the SafeTA podcast. This podcast is part of APTA Fit for Practice, powered by HyperIce. Weekly programming in the form of podcasts, articles, webinars, and courses help you prioritize movement, restoration, resiliency, and practice health. Visit APTA.org and search Fit for Practice to sign up today to receive these resources delivered to your inbox. Hi, I'm here today with Amanda Carlson Phillips. She is a Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships and Insights at Exos and a registered dietitian by trade. She has been working within the nutrition field with Exos since 2003. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Sarah, thanks so much for having me. Can we just jump right in? And I just want to ask you, how did you even get into nutrition? What's your background? So I, um, I was a gymnast growing up and I always, you know, was fascinated with, with food and, and training. And it was just, you know, a part of, a part of the sport. So when I went to college, I, I actually wanted to be a sports psychologist, but I ended up in a nutrition class and I just couldn't get enough. And so, um, that that's when I found, I, I really had a passion for the science of nutrition and so I left University of Arizona in my undergrad and headed out to Florida State to do my master's degree. And at that point in time, there, there weren't a lot of programs that had a sports slash clinical nutrition route. And so that's why I ended up at Florida State. So I did my master's degree there, uh, but I thought like the sports nutrition side wasn't quite enough. So I did another master's degree in exercise physiology. And it's actually on the strength and conditioning side that led me out to, it was athletes performance at the time in 2003 as a strength and conditioning intern. So over the last 18 years now, um, it's been a lot of fun and uh, really exciting to see the, the nutrition field expand, uh, continue to advocate for great nutrition for athletes and really any performer that is performing on the field or recovering but really to be able to do it in an integrated way with performance in mind. Wow, that is very cool. What a start. So I feel like you're a pro, you've been doing this a long time. So now I have a really huge general picture. Maybe you can help us sort of funnel it down. When it comes to a healthy diet, what is, like when you think, oh, that's a healthy diet, what does that diet look like to you? Well, I think, you know, just the words that we use is really important as well. And so, I've always veered away from our messaging, like away from healthy. And uh, because that like makes an assumption that maybe something is good or something is not good. And there definitely is a continuum. So when I think about kind of your, uh, you're in an entire day worth of eating and drinking, which we all have to do. And so we have a constant barrage of choices, but something that is that is healthy, but I would say more performance-minded. So are you, are you picking foods are you making nutritional choices that are supporting your brain? Are you making nutritional choices that are supporting your sustainable energy levels? Are you making nutrition, nutritional choices that are supporting your gut? Um, are you making nutritional choices that are laddering up to your, your greater purpose? And lastly, are you making nutritional choices that are helping your body uh, recover from either life or the training or the sport or things that you enjoy uh, as a part of just the person that you are. So um, instead of healthy, I think, gosh, are, are we picking performance-based choices that are helping my body and brain perform at its highest level? I love that. Okay. I'm going to just jump in here. Okay. What is one thing that you can eat 
pretty consistently that helps your brain performance. So curious. So actually, I mean, I would say there's a number of things you can eat, um, but I would start with hydration. So uh, it, it's amazing, a hydrated brain, they've done you know different brain imaging studies and a hydrated brain is a more active brain. Uh, a high, you know, well, I mean, you can't connect the brain from the body or the body from the brain, uh, but nonetheless, uh, when you are hydrated and your brain is hydrated, it's more active. Uh, also, they did some studies looking at mood and like emotional regulation. And so, uh, so your brain is, is, is happier, which makes you happier when you're hydrated. Um, but moving away from hydration, you know, when we think about things that the brain needs, essential fatty acids are crucial. So uh, essential fatty acids, specifically omega-3, but also into a more structured, your brain really likes the DHA version of that, but essential fatty acids have an EPA and a DHA. I know this is a little crazy biochemistry, but, but nonetheless, your brain really loves to eat up that DHA. Uh, but you know, your fatty fish like salmon is a great, great source of essential fatty acids. It's not like you're going to be bringing salmon to the clinic. Uh, so, you know, you can have uh, walnuts are a really great source of essential fatty acids, uh, chia seeds, uh, flax seeds, uh, all those are, are really great uh, additions that you can really put on anything that uh, increase your, your omega-3 fatty acids. Your brain loves that. Um, to go back to hydration just for one second, I think sparkling water has had its real heyday recently. <laughs> Does drinking sparkling water count towards hydration? Yes, it counts toward hydration. I'm asking for a friend. Yes, I, well, this is like, this is normally me at dinner parties. So it's like, Amanda, tell me about this. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you get three questions. Uh, but no, it's a uh, it's, uh, sparkling water definitely counts as hydration. If you were to open my fridge right now, you would see a variety of sparkling waters. And I, I feel like I should be getting out my penguin and making my own because I feel bad for the environment. But in terms of hydration, yes. So sparkling water does count. Um, you know, you have to be some of the like sparkling water spin drifts and others like they have a little bit of juice in there, but like it's, you know, it's not, it's not anything to be crazy about. Um, but I think hydration variety is important. Um, so if you love sparkling water and uh, you can't get enough, you can mix it up with regular water. Uh, you can mix it up with natural teas. They just did some, some new research on green tea and they're unlocking the mechanisms of actually how green tea protects the cells. So um, green tea is back. So, you know, brewing up some green tea, having ice green tea, that helps the brain also really helps protect the cells. Uh, we already talked about regular water and um, I might be a bit radical here, but like coffee also is, it, it does count as fluid intake. And so you don't want to be drinking it all day, but like it is, it is also considered fluid. But um, if I was, you know, have, if someone asked how much water should I drink or how much fluid you want to drink, I recommend, and we recommend about a half an ounce to an ounce per pound per day. Uh, so I weigh 140 pounds. That means I need 70 to 140 ounces of, you know, good performance fluid per day, uh, 33 ounces in a liter, lots of math. So that means I need two to three liters. So I encourage you guys to do a quick calc, see how much water you need per day, um, blend it between, you know, water, sparkling water, green tea, maybe a little coffee and, uh, and, and get a, get a Yeti or whatever your Nalgene bottle is and, and just make sure you're getting enough. 
That was maybe one of the best answers I've heard all day. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I'm going to circle thorough. back. Sorry. Thorough. Circle. You know, we try to be thorough. We go all around the hydration category. I love it. Um, back to coffee and caffeine. I know that it can sometimes be an issue for when you're working in the clinic, you hit that like midday, maybe after lunch when you're, you know, your lunch is digesting and you need a little pick-me-up. How do you recommend a pick-me-up? Do you recommend a pick-me-up? Well, I mean, the first thing I would think about is why do I need the pick-me-up? And so uh, am I, am I not sleeping well? Am I not sleeping enough? Uh, am I overtraining? Am I not fueling my body? Like, am I not, do I not, do I not have like the right timing of meals or maybe not structuring them with enough protein or fat? So I think first off, it's like, could I have more energy? Could I be doing a few other things that, that maybe would, would help me have more sustainable performance energy? So I think it's a good reflection point, but Hey, we, we've all been there. And so like, sometimes you just, you just want a coffee and like, that's okay. And so, um, when it comes to caffeine and, and general intake of caffeine, you really just want to, you want to try to, to limit it. I would try to not have any more than, you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine per day, you know, maybe up to 400 milligrams, but, uh, like one shot of espresso typically has about 75 milligrams of caffeine. So, if you're really, really wanting a, a, a pick-me-up in the afternoon, you can dose it yourself by having just a, a shot of espresso and seeing how you feel uh, with that 75 milligrams of caffeine. I mean, when we think about it for the athletes, like I, I loved caffeine. I, we did research studies on it uh, with some products in 2004, and we were looking at the impact of caffeine on strength and power athletes. And we were looking at about a 200 milligram dose, which is was, which is actually pretty low, uh, but it created enough of a stimulant to, to actually improve performance uh, mentally and physically. So that's where it's like, hey, start with the 75. You're really still wanting a little bit more caffeine, have another shot, you're at 150. That's better than probably the three to 400 you're gonna get in a 20 ounce Starbucks. Wow, that's a lot in that 20 ounce Starbucks. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So. Now I'm going to go on the radical thread. I kind okay. of like that. Um, can we talk about the absolute worst food you still see people eat? And is it okay for me to say worst? Or should I say poor choice? I think, you know, my daughter, she's 10. And I think she said something to me when, I don't know how old she was, five. I, some, she was much younger. And she said, mommy, sometimes the mouth wins. And so I think there, I was like, that's very insightful, Bryce. Like that is exactly right. So I, so I still, I still use that. I mean, we always, we eat for a number of different reasons and it isn't always about sustaining high levels of performance like that. You know, we should have that in mind most of the time, but, but we eat for, for pleasure. We eat to have fun with friends. Like we, there's a whole community and um, connection standpoint to food, like food brings us together. And so we don't have to scrutinize every decision. We just should be intentional. And so like, if you really want to eat macaroni and cheese, which is probably one of the worst things that, you know, you could eat from a glycemic index standpoint. I mean, it just shoots your glucose right up there. Your insulin is like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all of this? And like freaks your body out inside. But man, is it delicious. So, I mean, you just have to, you just have to be aware. So like, you know, overly processed foods, things that are, 
you know, made with artificial sweeteners or have different types of binding agents, uh, you know, bag of Doritos is, is not going to be ideal. So I, I think we all intuitively know, um, you know, what are great foods and, and what are foods that, that maybe don't, don't support our, our best selves. But I think more important than saying this is, this is a bad food or this is an awful food, I think the worst thing that people can do is just make unintentional choices. So if you're going to eat the macaroni and cheese, love it. Don't do it every day. <laughs> That's really good advice. I'm going to definitely try to make a change there. Um, okay, so to swing from the uh, quote unquote worst, can we swing to the best? What's the best A food or group of foods that we're missing or we don't get enough of? Well, I mean, it depends on the person. I think we all have, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a movement quality thing. Like we all have certain like, you know, movement patterns that just aren't quite ideal. And so it's the same thing on, on a nutrition side of things. Like I try to think about it on the PT side. It's like someone has uh, poor hip mobility where someone else may have poor ankle mobility, where somebody else may have poor shoulder mobility. So for, for us, it's like, think about well, what do I really need to, to have my body be fluid in its like nutritional status. You need to have fiber uh, and that's coming from your whole grains. Uh, your body needs that, your gut needs that. Um, your gut needs that not just like, you know, to keep ourselves regular, but your gut needs that to feed the good gut bacteria. So I'll talk more about that. But so fiber is really important. Uh, clearly your vitamins and minerals, I know this is nothing new or shocking, but what is shocking is like, the number of vegetables and fruit people actually eat per day is really low. And, and this is an, a personal thing for me. I got to make sure that I chop that stuff up. It's prepackaged and ready for me to grab and go. Otherwise I fall into the norm. I'm like one of those people that I'm consulting with that's not eating enough vegetables and fruit. So, but that is our natural source of more fiber and our vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. Um, you know, other things that really makeup. We already talked about hydration. That's really, really important. Um, our body needs protein and amino acids, right? Your, your cells just don't like form themselves. And so you need amino acids to, to help with the constant repair of what's happening. And, you know, those are coming from our, a variety of protein sources. And then lastly, you know, we really need um, those great fats, those fats that give back, like those essential fatty acids, like those are really important, not only for our brain function, but but for our cell function. So um, just as I think in, in physical therapy, you're, you're looking for kind of those blocks or those places where we can create more mobility from a nutrition standpoint, it's like, check the fiber, check the fats, check the protein, check the hydration and check those veggies and fruit. And those are your five areas that you just can check in and be like, okay, I'm doing all right today. So those are, that's how I would, how I would look at it in totality. Yeah. I really like that. That's a really good place to start, especially if you're looking to make a change. Maybe you pick one of those five columns, start there. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, in, in preparing for our chat and working with a number of physical therapists, we have, we have, um, we have quite a few physical therapists within EXOS. And, uh, you know, I try to think about, you know, take-home exercises or things that we ask, you know, you guys ask patients to do or what we're asking patients to do as well. And, um, and we don't want to overwhelm our, our clients. We, we 
we, we, we intentionally do that, but sometimes we overwhelm ourselves and that's not really fair. So I would say exactly. So being kind to yourself and, and picking the right area and, and not overwhelming. Let's circle back to good gut bacteria. Can we talk yes. about that? Oh, I love, I mean, I am obsessed with the gut right now. I love it. I, I love to talk about people who are much smarter than me and, uh, and can, and can continue to educate, but this is such a growing uh, world of research right now. And we're learning more and more and more every day. And, and what's exciting for me is I can sense the narrative changing around the gut. And so like gut health is not indicative of, are you bloated? Are you having some type of GI issue? And, you know, these are things that dietitians talk about. And so it's like, are you regular? Are you not having good poops? Like we talk about this, because, but that is what people used to think about gut health and all of those things, your GI could feel fine, but your, but your gut might be struggling. And so what's really interesting about the gut is like, we have um, a whole like environmental organisms going on down there. So there is it's, its own ecosystem. As I like to think about it, it's almost like my sister lives in Colorado Springs. So I can only think about garden of the gods. It's a really cool place. People should go there. Um, but I think about like the garden of the gut. And so you have this, uh, you have this kind of probiotic, all the bacteria that are in there and you have it in different phases of the entire intestinal system. Those bacteria do so many things. So uh, they do, they help regulate metabolism. Uh, they help with the breakdown of food. They help to ensure that you know, we're actually absorbing vitamins and minerals. Um, they're helping to create more stable energy. Uh, and, and I think one of the most interesting factors between like the gut and the brain continuum or connection is that, you know, over 90, 95% of the serotonin that we actually utilize, which is an important neurochemical for the brain is produced in the gut. And so if your gut is messed up, like you're not absorbing things well, you're not um, having the right, you know, you're not supporting your metabolism and you're also not supporting neurotransmitter production that is critical for mood, sleep, and other components. So anyways, you've got this garden of the gut, uh, you've got bacteria that are in there. You want to think about continuing to, you know, provide those good bacteria through uh, your different types of fermented foods, kimchi, tempeh, uh, you know, kefir, um, those are some of my favorites, even into yogurts, like sauerkraut, love sauerkraut. It was Oktoberfest. Like, I'm like, yes, I'm feeling good about <laughs> this sauerkraut and this, uh, gigantic Hefenweizen, but the Hefenweizen was not good for my gut, but the sauerkraut was, uh, that's the whole other thing about alcohol, but, uh, but no sauerkraut. So anyways, you got this fermented foods, you're, you're getting those good probiotics in there. Then you're eating fiber rich foods. And, um, you know, certain types of vegetables and fruit, there are certain types of fibers, onions, wild blueberries, uh, spinach, raw oats, like those are some like really great inulin type fibers. And so they help to feed that, that gut bacteria. And then you just have a magical ecosystem going on. So uh, when you think about your gut and like what is gut health, it is making sure the bacteria are in there, making sure those bacteria are fed, and, um, and that's why fiber, vegetables, and fruit, lots of color are important. They're important for the cells. They're super important for the gut. That's amazing. And then just to circle back to that serotonin piece too, that's one of your feel-good neurotransmitters. So 
that really, what you're eating can really affect your mood. It absolutely can. And so it's like, that's incredible. You get, you go into the perform, like the proactive performance. And then it's like your body trying to fix things. And like, this is where I, you know, the diet, the traditional dietitian, like with her red pen, which I never did, but like, let me see your dietary recall. Let me like cross things out. No, we should not do that. But, but the reality is, is like some of these things, like, like alcohol does, it does impact the gut microflora, like so that, you know, it does challenge the microflora. Um, you know, you have things like artificial sweeteners, um, artificial colors, uh, even your processed carbohydrates, like those are all things that they just make it harder for the gut to be magical. And so um, that's where it comes back to intentional choices. But but yeah, it is um, it is for that serotonin and important for the brain. It is the feel good neurotransmitter. It, it plays into, you know, eventually downstream melatonin that goes into sleep. And, you know, all of these things are, are interconnected. And so um, thinking about the gut uh, is really is really important, and and I hope we can kind of shift shift our thinking around. Well, if I feed the gut in the right way, everything else seems to fall into place. That's incredible. Okay, I have a question for you that maybe won't go in this podcast, but can okay. we talk about the good poop for a second? <laughs> What's a good poop? Um, like, is there a bad poop? Well, I mean, you don't, you want the poop to be formed. You want the poop to be easy. Um, You, you know, you want the poop to not cause strain. And so you want a nicely formed poop. And so um, that would be considered uh, a good poop. So nicely formed, not too, not not hard to, to get out. And uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is my life. So that's right. I mean, these are the things that are so important that we don't really talk talk about about it. Yes. We talk about how we feel. We talk about our bodies and uh, this is, this is a part of the function. So yeah. A daily important part of it, right? Yes, absolutely. For sure. Can we dive into a little bit of food timing? Is it important when I eat or just eat when I'm hungry? Uh, Well, food timing is a polarizing topic. And so, you know, having been in the nutrition field for so long, it's like, I'll go to American College of Sports Medicine or, you know, I'll go to various conferences and you've got the carbohydrate people and then you have the protein people and they like, you know, like to duke it out. Um, So in the same thing, it's, you know, with, with meal timing, you have the fasting people, and then you have the frequent eating people, and and they want to kind of duke it out. And so, um, I think back to like the original, some of the first conversation that we were having, it comes back with meal timing for what you are trying to accomplish, and um, you know what are what are your intentions, and how like how does your body feel? And so there is some interesting research that is coming out around that is out, it has been out, around the impact of fasting and even into cognitive type performance. And so, you know, if you're fasting, but you need to be fasting like, you know, overnight fast, almost into 16 hours to where you are really like tapping into like improved cognitive function. But just because you have improved cognitive function may not mean that like your body feels great. So I understand that this is like a very like, you know, convoluted, answer, but I think it is, it's really personal and it's really intentional to the, to the effect that you are trying to, um, have on your life and on how you're feeling. And so, um, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, 
do it with intention. Like have an actual type of intermittent fasting that you're going to do, monitor how you're feeling, make sure that you're getting enough nutrients. Um, if you are eating frequently, which we, you know, which works for a number of our athletes, and I would say is our typical in, in our patients, like I, is our typical standard of recommendation, you're eating frequently throughout the day. And for many people, um, getting into an extreme like sort of hunger, it's triggering different. I mean, it's really hard to make great decisions. And that's not them. That's not willpower. This is like neurochemicals in the brain, like your reward center and your dopamine response, like feed me and feed me high salt and feed me high fat. And so it's hard to manage that. So that's where I think having stable meals throughout the day uh, is, is a very viable strategy. Um, but I'll, the last point that I'll make in some other research that's coming out is just the concept of, of chrononutrition. And, uh, you know, there's some great research out of uh, the Cleveland Clinic and Dr. Royzen. And, you know, should there be this, like, we're eating against circadian rhythm. So like his concept is like, eat when it's light outside, don't eat when it's dark outside. And there's some interesting, there's some interesting um, data around that. So anyways, I would say, do it with intention, be aware of how your body feels and, um, you know, adapt as necessary, but you can find science to, to back up uh, any method of eating. It's such an interesting field because I feel like you're right. Like you can almost find the science to back up either one. It, it right? is. And, but the science is evolving so much. And I think this is like within, within all elements of our lives. And it's just this constant, you know, the concept of personalization. And so, um, and even if I draw the parallel to physical therapy, not everybody is going to respond well to the same type of, 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 of intervention that you're providing or the same type of treatment plan. Like everybody is a little bit different and the same thing on the nutrition side and even into personalized medicine. So our genetic makeup and our understanding of our genome is going to drive more personalization, um, even into our nutrient deficiencies and what that means, like what our gut microbiome is actually like today. I mean, it's really exciting time we're in, but also a very confusing time because we've got access to a lot more information and it's hard to make sense of all that information if you're if you're not an expert. And quite frankly, as a quasi expert, it's hard to like really put all those pieces together. But I think where we're going is this concept of personalization. So should I eat frequently? Should I eat this food? Uh, you know, should I, should I avoid this? A lot of it will be can Clarity can be provided on the path, not based on kind of general recommendations, but if you've got the data, you can base it around your own biochemistry, genetics, and epigenetics uh, representation. Yeah, you got to live in the gray a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's hard. You got to live in the gray, but it's like with anything, it's like, okay, I, I understand this about myself. I'm matching that to where I want to go in my goals. I'm going to create a plan and a structure. I'm going to do those things and I'm going to see if it's getting the result that I need. Um, and, and if it is, you continue and, you know, adjust. If it isn't, then you go back and kind of think about like the next type of plan. And it's, I don't know why um, diet and nutrition is kind of thought about as this like obtuse thing over here, but like the thought process is exactly the same as we would with any other thing in our life. Figure out what you need, assess, come up with a plan, 
do said plan, measure results. If plan works, continue. If plan doesn't, go back and try again. <laughs> it's just like PT. It's just like PT. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, but we like, you know, it's it's something that we have to do all the time. And uh, we're like I said, you know, we have to we have to eat, we have to drink, we have to make the choices. If we can make the choices easier, then um, we likely can um, take the actions that we're hoping to. Okay, you touched on artificial sweeteners a couple of times. Can we dig into that a little bit deeper? Should we use them, avoid them? What's your stance? Okay, so my, uh, I, okay, if I was to have like a diet soda or a diet pop, I'm from Indiana, so it's, it's all about pops. I mean, I love a McDonald's Diet Coke. Like there is nothing like that fountain Diet Coke. Like it is delicious. It's um, delicious. But I would say about, I don't know, 2007, 2008, there was uh, some, the first time I was really reading uh, research around the gut microbiome and they were looking at the impact, this was in rats, but they were looking at the impact of sucralose on the gut microbiome. And I was looking at like the amount, I actually broke out my calculator at the time. I don't even think our phones had calculators back then, but I had the calculator I had, and I was looking up like how many, like in a Splenda packet, like what would be the equivalent of like, how many Splendas is in a 12 ounce Diet Coke? It's like 10 packets of Splenda. Like, would you ever take a, like a cup of coffee and say, I'm going to put 10 packets of Splenda in here? Never. So that totally changed my perspective on artificial sweeteners. Like I felt, I could felt, I could like hear my gut bacteria sobbing that I was, you know, doing this. Like I drive by McDonald's and they can hear me thinking about that Diet Coke. They're like, don't do it. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think artificial sweeteners have played a role. Like they have, they have played a role to like go, if you're having a full sugar item, you're trying to really reduce the amount of sugar you're having, but man, they just really impact your gut microbiome. So I would say, hey, look, is there, is there, if you're trying to reduce sugar, you're trying to reduce calories, can you just decrease overall volume and, um, and kind of start to make your lifestyle adjustments that way versus doing a one-for-one -one swap of a, of, a, of a more sugary beverage with uh, an artificial sweetener beverage? Okay, so I have some really now technical questions. Oh no. Thinking about a therapist in a clinic. Okay. Can you recommend a quick but useful snack in between patients? So I have, you know, one minute, five minutes to do something. What should I do? I love this idea of a quick fix snack mix. And so this can to, can take a couple different varieties, but this is something you prep, like put a bit, like make a big Ziploc bag of it. Like you should make a big Ziploc bag and you should have it at the clinic. And if you need to like portion it out into smaller, please take the like couple minutes to do that. It'll be well worth your while. So what goes in those, those baggies or if we're protecting the environment, little containers that can be reusable, of course. Uh, you wanna have uh, a mixture of nuts, right? So to protect the brain, provide some, some stable energy. So I like to have a combination of walnuts, uh, pecans, and almonds. Um, if you like some of those, awesome. If you just want one of them, that's fine. I mean, cashews are also great. They're not as high in essential fatty acid, but pick a mixture of, of nuts that you like to eat. And so put those in first. Then I bring in some uh, dark chocolate chips, some organic dark chocolate chips. So we put those in there. You have some more antioxidants, kind of sweet, salty. 
Uh, and then you have, I like to put in dry cherries. So high in fiber uh, also as physical therapists. So within, within cherries, they, there is a, there's a new, there's a nutrient that helps to uh, manage inflammation. So it acts similar in the COX-1 and COX-2 pathway. And so uh, decreasing pain and uh, decreasing inflammation. So uh, throw some dark cherries in there and uh, then you have some options. You could, if you like uh, seeds, sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds, uh, you can throw those in there. Uh, and then lastly, if you need a little bit of crunch, um, feel free. You can add in some type of a, a high, a high fiber cereal, or if you are gluten-free, then you can, you know, find a, a gluten-free crunch for just a little bit of cereal. And I think like that type of mix is just fantastic. So um, you can do that. You can have it. It's stored easily. You can have lots of little portions in your office. And so um, that's one of my, that is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, other things that are easy, you can always, uh, well, you want to think about having Kind of this combination, right? So some type of fiber, kind of carbohydrate, and which I like in the form of vegetables or fruit, uh, paired with some type of fat or protein. And so you could be doing, uh, you could have some type of uh, great Greek yogurt that's there portioned out, and you can uh, dump some um, blueberries and sprinkle with uh, almonds. So you could have that. Each of those are very easy. You could wolf that down in five minutes. Um, man, if you really want to go for it, like you could have like a little veggie cup in there with some hummus. So uh, just slice them up ahead of time, package them up, have a little hummus thing going and you could do a, a veggie and hummus. So each one of those quick, quick fact mix, um, your yogurt with berries and uh, almond sprinkle or veggies and hummus, those are all easy. They're all great. Uh, they're all delicious matters and they will help your gut and your brain. I love it. That does sound, it, there has to be some intentionality here though. So you have to, you know, plan ahead. Sounds like that's an important part of making this part of a successful change in your life, right? It is. I mean, as with anything, it's like, I, you know, we think about so many times for so many people and even myself included at various points, um, we gotta, you know, we have to prioritize and we have to plan. And so if we say, hey, you know what, my energy and my gut and my like internal body performance is super important to me. Great. How am I going to do that? And I'm going to plan, plan the day, plan the week. A little bit of planning goes a really long way. Um, but I think like it is intuitive. It's just doing it. And so if I think about our work, we're always prioritizing our work or prioritizing other people. Like you guys are never going to go in and see a patient without having a plan. Like you're not going to figure out how you're going to manage all your patients without a plan. Like you would never do that. But yet we like, we just navigate through our day without thinking about how we're going to, how we're going to fuel our body. And so um, I think just, just reframing the way you think about it, that this isn't an extra chore. It's just something you do to, to prioritize the way you feel, uh, the way you function, and I think, you know, the long-term, there's two long-term benefits for this. I mean, one is, is just your, you know, your overall sustainability, but two, if you're, if you're more fueled and you're more focused and, you know, you're feeling great, you're going to be a better practitioner. Um, you're going to be a better son or daughter. You're going to be a better parent. You're just going to be better. And so as it relates to, you know, our jobs, if we're fueled 
and our bodies have the right nutrients in our brain and you know our system, uh, we will be better. And I think you know that's the role that nutrition can play in our lives. I love it. Thank you for all of that excellent information. All right, I have two more big questions. Okay. Oh man. Herbs and spices. Okay. Okay. Which one? If I was going to pick an herb and a spice, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go off the rails, I'm cooking tonight. <laughs> off Which the rails. Talk? You can do it. It should be, you're on the rails cooking. Like, right. Okay. Tonight. I'm on the rails. Okay. I'm pick my spices. Which ones have, or which ones do you choose for the most nutritional punch there? Um, gosh, uh, spices. So I really like, uh, I really like turmeric. So, I mean, turmeric, I like the flavor, like a lot of Indian spices. Um, they, they, I just love those flavors. And so, uh, cumin and turmeric, uh, those types of flavors, but they also are anti-inflammatory in nature. And so those, so I, you know, I find myself kind of trending toward those, those spice profiles, but on the sweeter side of spices, I love cinnamon as well. And so in cinnamon, I don't just love it, but it, it, it actually helps to manage glucose. And so, um, if you think about, you know, in, in the morning or when you're having meals, like cinnamon sprinkled onto carbohydrate can help to manage glucose. And so, I don't know, so I guess both sides of that, more Indian type spices, turmeric, cumin, and then uh, over into cinnamon. And then last question for the day, when you want to try a new recipe, where do you normally go or look to for exploring new recipes? Oh my gosh, uh, honestly, I just like am Googling something that sounds good. So I don't have a place like okay, that. Okay, me too, good. Okay, I, I just like, I'm like, okay, I I wanna try new things today. So I were like, I wanna cook pho. I love my Instapot. So I think I am heading toward more Instapot type recipes. Um, so, so yeah, I'm like not real help there, but I love my Instapot and I just Google something that I wanna eat and I look at it and I see the preparation methods and it's like one, is this reasonable with how much time I actually have? And two, uh, does this seem to like kind of fit the nutrition profile that I'm looking for? And, uh, and then I say, just go for it. Great, thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was amazing. Uh, thanks for having me. And thanks for all the questions. I could talk all day about it. So I really appreciate it. APTA Fit for Practice programming is available at no cost to all PTs, PTAs, and students thanks to the generosity of our sponsors. Sign up today by visiting apta.org and search Fit for Practice. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.